Hey, it's Seinfeld. Hey, Seinfeld fans. Who's not a Seinfeld fan? Bring them to the front right now. Hopefully no one listening to this show is definitely not a Seinfeld fan. If you're not a Seinfeld fan, you just hate listening. We appreciate it anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you are just listening to <laughs> this podcast for, as Brent and Liberty put it on Twitter, I think you said like the soothing uh, tones of our voices <laughs> or something. Yeah, or you listen to it in the same way that, you know, I've mentioned, I think on the podcast, I have listened previously to Sean Hannity or, or Rush Limbaugh <laughs> you, and the like. You, you hate listen to them? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, these idiots don't know what they're talking about. This show sucks. God. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna download every episode and I'm gonna give them the the, the numbers that they are looking for just to spite them. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna I'm, I'm gonna hopefully drive up their numbers so I can get them advertisers because I hate them that much. And I'm gonna give them a five star review because while I think the show that they're talking about sucks, they are talking about it very well. <laughs> I hate Seinfeld. <laughs> But I do like these guys. But five, I like the way, stars. yeah, I mean, you can't deny, as, as awful as the show is, <laughs> they know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, this may be, I'm, I'm speaking it, I, I don't know if I'm speaking any louder or quieter, but just a heads up, this may be another edition of the podcast where uh, a kid interrupts it, hopefully not towards the end, but I just went into the room to get my microphone and uh, he was awake, so oh, we'll see no. what happens. Well, yeah. I know. I, I think you you cut out him, uh, like coming onto the podcast with a couple of couple of minutes left. Uh, but he was at the very end. I noticed. No, I didn't cut that out. Yeah, I, I thought I thought there was a bit that you cut out. Maybe maybe I just skipped over that part whenever I was listening back to it. It could be, could be. Yeah, no, I think I left everything in. Okay, I, I know you definitely left in at, at the very end. You're like, and Declan pooped. In case you're yeah. wondering. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what he says. If he couldn't quite make it out, I, the intro, the outro music was was maybe up too much. But uh, yeah, so he may, oh, he may barge in once again. <laughs> yeah, if if he if he does, he is a more than welcome guest. <laughs> yeah, I will probably be uh, stolen away. So we better get started. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's the show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the Cigar Store Indian, but before that, uh, we did have one small bit of homework that I know you wanted to look into, Ted. Did you wind up doing that? Yes, I was able to watch my season one uh, (laughs) DVD of Whitest Kids You Know because I wanted to know if, and I was almost certain that it was the case, but there is a scene in the DVD where it's completely uncensored nudity, Uh, there's a couple of topless women, but... The thing is, season one of Whitest Kids You Know was not yet on IFC, which IFC is a completely uncensored network. Season one was on Fuse, so it was censored. If you're watching season one on TV as it's airing, uh, the, the topless women just have black bars over over their chests. The DVD, no black bars. Yes. And uh, so, and that was sort of like the the crux of the joke, like exactly. You know, but and, when and, IFC showed it, when IFC showed season one, they showed it uncensored, so all the comedy was kind of lost. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, the the whole point uh, that we wanted to bring this up was because I, I just wanted there to be 
a, an alternate cut of um, whatever even episode it was. Uh, the non-fat we, yogurt. The non-fat yogurt, yes. Yeah. Where it's like an alternate cut on the, the season five DVD where Jerry is just cursing up a storm, <laughs> especially at this little kid where he just looks at this eight-year-old kid and says, what the fuck are you doing, you little piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, you know... <laughs> uh, we we learned that there is no uncensored version of the episode, so you know it wasn't I put know. on a DVD and stuff like I that. Know. But we were we were disappointed, and it reminded me of that bit. And you know how South Park, you know their their DVDs are uncensored, and and maybe even <laughs> Family Guy too. I think. Uh, hey, I don't. I want to say that like they advertise their DVDs like that. You I don't mean, have season one of Family Guy on DVD. <laughs> uh, actually. I'm pretty sure I, I do. Say. I'm pretty sure I do. I have like yeah. the first three or four seasons, I think, because that's the, when I thought Family Guy was the most like hilarious thing in the entire world. I still watch it, by the way. <laughs> do so. you really? I, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched. I haven't saved on my Hulu, uh, my Hulu yeah. favorites, but I haven't watched any of this season or last season. So I've got like 20 some episodes to watch. Yeah. Is, yeah, I just need something still... mindless and short to watch yeah. in the small amount of time I actually do get to watch TV when I'm not watching the episode of Seinfeld that we're talking about. <laughs> is it any good? Is New Family Guy any good? It's not bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah All right. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you say that in a super convincing tone. I know. Yeah. It was like ultra falsetto. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's yeah, not bad. It's fine. Yeah. Just like I, I watch The Simpsons every week still too, so it's like you know my my bar is pretty low. Okay, I, I mean I I still really like New Simpsons. I I, I I'm I mean I've I think I've said this before on the show, but I'm a big defender of like even the worst uh, Simpsons episodes, like the the whole season ten to season twenty stretch, because that those are the seasons that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. But minus the episode of Lisa Goes Gaga, that's uh, it's, it's pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you were a Simpsons apologist, but I'm in the same camp. You know, I still I, I will stick by it until it ends, whenever it does. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean the, the rumors going around like uh, a, a week or so ago that oh, it was going to end yeah. after uh, this current season or the next season. Um, that I think Danny Elfman brought that up, and I mean that's a reputable source because uh, he he was the composer of the theme song. But I, I think Matt Groening came on and said, "Hey, no, we have." We have no plans to end the show yet, so yeah. I, I, I guess it's uh, it's going to keep on rolling. Yeah, it was either uh, Groening or Brooks who came back yeah. and said, um, you know, oh no, we're not. Uh, they'll never stop the Simpsons. In other words, <laughs> um, yeah. So that that was that was weird. Uh, but the the bit of homework that I was referring to was the fact that um, you wanted to know if Karen was played by the same actri- actress oh, in both episodes in season five. Okay, okay. is it? And is it she? is. Yeah, it's Lisa okay. Edelstein in both episodes. Man, why did I feel like she looked so different in I think Masseuse. they did update her look. I think they gave her a nice trendy haircut or something. Okay. And yeah, yeah, because I thought the same thing. You know, I was like, she looks different, but enough of her mannerisms were the same that I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that's the same one, but I went and confirmed it. She's got an interesting... Uh, background too. She was like a club kid in New York City in the nineties. You know, oh, back really? when club kids were a thing. Oh, yeah, back man. when like, uh, <laughs> yeah, back like I mean, this is pre like Paris Hilton and stuff like that. You know, the the early nineties in Manhattan, like these trust fund kids and stuff, and and that's kind of where she started. I think they called her like Lisa E or something like that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing the E was not for Edelstein at that point. Probably for. <laughs> For it, something else that club kids were into. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, you know Macaulay Culkin's Party Monster. Yeah, yeah, that, that I think was like the, probably the the best like fictionalized document of that scene. Yeah, you know uh, of the time. I, I've never actually seen it, but that's neither what, what have I. Heard. I. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's about it. Okay. Um, yeah. I know that uh, we've got something else, but I will mention it uh, as we get into our my, my, my whole spiel. If you've never listened to us before, uh, we are not a research-heavy show. We like to do our homework the week after as though we are assigning it to ourselves. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. The ratings go a, a very long way, so please don't think that they are that they're just meaningless. If you do leave us a rating like Gil47 did, uh, Gil47 gave us a five-star review and said, want that sticker? Definitely worth the (laughs) five-star review, even with the bribe. What Gil47 is referring to, we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning sticker Eventually, those do not exist yet. I have not created them. I have not bought them. But uh, if we if we skip over something, like I said, we're not a research heavy show. If I skip, if we skip over something, if we egregiously miss something, please send us a tweet, send us an email at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are either in the description or on our Apple Podcasts page. That being said, season five, episode ten, the Cigar Store Indian original air date. Oh boy, original air date December. 9th 1993 I was 11 months and 19 days old where uh man I, I remember when we were counting down the days to my birth now we're counting down yeah. the days to my first birthday this right is, right so I thought you were gonna say death like me <laughs> <laughs> we're counting up the days to my death oh <laughs> uh, man we haven't actually done that in a while counting down counting down the days to your death that was that's like early episode that's stuff. a deep cut yeah man. yeah <laughs> uh but uh season five episode 10 the cigar store indian uh if you're looking in tv guide the night of december 9th you're gonna see elaine's native american friend winona thinks jerry is racially insensitive when he presents elaine with a cigar store indian statue as a peace offering after not driving her home from george's place <laughs> All right, we'll see. There's a lot to unpack in this episode, as you can hear from the loaded description uh, last <laughs> week and, and this week. So uh, we start with a stand-up bit, as usual, and Jerry says that it's easy to tell what the best year of your father's life was because that's where their fashion just kind of stops. Uh-huh. And it's not that they are, now that they're not buying new clothes, somehow they're bu- still buying new old clothes. And as a dad now for the past uh, you know, six years... I got to totally agree with this because my <laughs> my my fashion sense stopped in high school when I just wore I mean, I just wore jeans and T-shirts and really? I never ever. Yeah, jeans and, you know, uh, like either pop culture reference or band T-shirts. <laughs> and that's what I wear almost if it wasn't for winter. If I lived somewhere where it was like warm every day, I would I would never run out of T-shirts. I could wear a different one every day, probably. But yeah, that, so that's I got to I got to agree with Jerry just as a test case for this uh, hypothesis that it's absolutely true. Now you you said you've been uh, a, a dad for six years, but your fashion sense stopped in high school. So th- did you just like quit trying after you not not quit trying, but did you just like not uh, attempt to update your fashion sense? I'm just legitimately curious. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I just have never been good at matching. I can't okay. match anything, and I knew that black t-shirts and blue jeans go together it yeah was just, it's just I mean, easy yeah yeah okay and i won't even yeah i mean i wore jeans and t- yeah i guess high school is probably where but college is where it just really took hold you know and i started oh, wearing for sure yeah i would say like i would started wearing medium t-shirts instead of large or extra large <laughs> and, my, and i started wearing like 505s instead of 560s like everything got to be 
the size that it should have been. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, honestly, I, I would love to pass off the blame to like my older sister or something. Like nobody just told nobody told me how to dress or how to look cool, you know. And so yeah. I never even <laughs> I never even sought out the information because it wasn't important to me. And then it, and then at that point, it's like, well, it's too late. I did go through a small spell where I work where I worked in news, and I did have to wear like a shirt and tie every day, and uh-huh. I, I liked that. Uh-huh. Um, but. I also still could not match. So either A, my, <laughs> I guess she was my girlfriend and then fiance and, and then wife at the time, all in, all in the span <laughs> of when all, I was doing all, news. All, all, wait, all in the span of when you're doing news, really? Yeah, yeah, pretty oh, much. Wow. Yeah, I think okay. so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, 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 you know what? I think we moved in together when I, before I was doing news. And then I forget when. And then we got engaged, probably when I was doing news. And yeah, yeah, I would say that's, that's, that's wow. still an accurate statement. I, yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't know you were doing news for that long. It actually wasn't that long. It was oh, only a geez. few months, but yeah. <laughs> but so either she picked it out or I would go in and buy something. They were By that point, they were selling the shirt and the tie in the same box, which I okay. still love. Yeah. And See, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. No. Or just whatever was on the mannequin. If I saw something on the mannequin, I was like, oh, that must match. And then I'd look for it in the <laughs> store and... and you know, and then I'd buy that. <laughs> the the only thing yeah. I the only thing I really know about clashing patterns is like you don't want to have the exact same color of tie on the shirt. Uh, right. You, you don't want to have like contrasting colors, or you don't want to have contrasting patterns. Yes. Yeah. So like, if you're doing like a a, a solid a, a solid shirt, maybe get a pattern tie of a of mm-hmm. a complementary color or something. You know, but don't. Yep. But uh, I I'm bad at determining what is a hideous tie. Yeah. You. Oh yeah. You mean like I know what you're talking about. It's one of those things that you just can't describe, but when you see it, you know it. it exactly. I mean, I'll I'll see people like, oh, that tie, and I'll think like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that looks that bad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, you are not a dad. Has your fashion sense? Do you think solidified yet? Because I don't think you have to be a dad to have stopped. Where Jerry is saying, I think he's just saying dads just happen to be you um, know, uh, I, dressed like this. But I think you can be your age and maybe be stagnant and fashion stagnant, let's say. Uh, I, I think it has definitely solidified. Like, I'll change, like, different pieces out here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, I have become uh, short sleeve, long sleeve, uh, button up guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll typically, like... Uh, if it's a short sleeve, I'll uh, roll the sleeves a little bit. I'll uh, button up the top button. Or if I'm feeling like a T-shirt, uh, it, it's typically either like a a vintage T-shirt or maybe a uh, like a Hanes beefy like graphic tee. Like I've got a, a nice like In and Out shirt that I like. I've yeah. got I've got a couple of like uh, streetwear shirts that that seems to be my my go-to like T-shirt style lately. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, so I have it, a lot of brewery T-shirts I've found as well. Yeah, that's one thing that, yeah, yeah, and I, that, that's that, that's what I like wearing it, and it's comfortable too. Like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to like wear something that isn't comfortable anymore. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whatever you're comfortable in, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so uh, going moving on with the stand up bit, um, d- d- Jerry says that pants he hates pants shopping most of all because he hates going into the little room so men's pants stores should be uh, all pantsless you know you walk <laughs> in you take your pants off at the front and then you just try everything right on in the store and he says you'd have tr- uh, trouble lying to the clerk at that point you know i was like oh can i help you with anything sir nope just getting some air uh and i i kind of like this premise and the, the joke is okay but i also like the premise i also agree with jerry's premise that i hate trying on pants you know, it's like you you take you have to go into that little room and take them uh-huh. off, and like then the pockets are all heavy, you know, mm-hmm. and then it, they flop around, and like you're trying to fold it, still has the belt in it, and it's all just yeah, <laughs> it's it's a mess. So I, I wouldn't mind Jerry's pantsless pants store. I, I just uh, I just hate trying on pants. 
uh, for the idea of like, okay, I gotta take off my shoes. Yeah, I gotta yes. take my phone and wallet out of my pockets. Yeah, and, the pockets. Yeah, and if I'm gonna try on pants, obviously I gotta like put my belt on these pants so I know if it's if it's gonna fit right, if it's gonna like lay right under my belt. I gotta put my phone and my wallet in these pants if there's enough room in the pockets and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. Then I gotta like take photos to show Grace and see if she likes them. <laughs> and even if I like them, a lot of times she won't like them. And and I won't get them. Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, that's a that's a big deciding factor for me, because uh, li- like I said, I, I don't necessarily know what looks best on me. If, if mm-hmm. I if I like something and something's comfortable, that's enough for me. But if she thinks mm, maybe not, that might be a, a little too tight or a little too baggy, then I, I like having that second opinion for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm the same way with Sarah. I mean, I don't buy anything like huge and life changing. I mean, a t-shirt is different, but like if I'm buying something like a pair of khakis or whatever, I'll run them past her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. She, she knows what looks good. And I just don't, yeah. you know, <laughs> just not at all. Uh, so we open up at George's parents' house, which is George's house as well. Jerry and Elaine are, are kind of getting up and getting ready to leave. You can tell, I think Jerry's putting on his jacket and they're discussing what the house smells like. <laughs> and Jerry says dandruff. Elaine says Kasha. What, Do you is, know what Kasha? That is No, I have no idea. Nope. I was hoping you did, nope. but I wasn't going to look it up, so we can do that next week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and Jerry says it's a real potpourri, because they mentioned one other thing. I, I forget what it was. Mothballs. That's what it oh, was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kramer, you know, uh, George walks back in. Kramer comes out of the guest room, and he uh, has, is holding the guests open his hand. He goes, hey, these not, aren't candies, are they? And George gets all upset because he might have used the guest soap. And then when his parents will know that they were there, even though Kramer's a guest, he's not allowed to have parties when they're not home. <laughs> yeah, he's not allowed to have people over whenever, whenever, <laughs> yeah. whenever mommy and daddy aren't there. Yeah, I mean, specifically, he says, I can't, you know, he's like, you're not allowed to have people over. And he's like, we're not allowed to, I'm not allowed to have parties when they're not here. <laughs> and, and I think it's uh, Kramer that goes, this is a party or something like that. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, they're, they're getting ready to leave and George starts freaking out again because Jerry didn't put a coaster down under his drink on their brand new coffee table. Mm -hmm. And George uh, freaks out. I I like Kramer, you know, Kramer says here, there's one at every party, uh, about, (laughs) you know, George freaking out and they don't have time to deal with the table because Elaine has got to go and Jerry promised to drive her home so she can make it home in time for poker night, uh, with the ladies. And Jerry wants a roll call of who's coming over and she drops Winona's name. And Jerry is interested, and Elaine mentions that she just broke up with her boyfriend as well. Yes, yes, Jerry. Jerry is very interested to hear that Winona is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so Jerry tells tells George to cover the stain with a coffee table book, and George is like, "My parents don't read. They're going to wonder why there's a book <laughs> on the table." Uh, and Kramer all of a sudden has a flash of genius and says, "What about this? A coffee table book about coffee tables." <laughs> And thinks it's just a brilliant idea. Well, George needs Jerry to take him to get the table refinished because his parents are coming back soon. It's going to take at least a couple days. Elaine uh, ends up having to take the subway with Kramer, Mm -hmm. um, but she doesn't want to take the subway without something to read. Meanwhile, Jerry keeps sitting his coffee down on the coffee table. He he does (laughs) this at least twice. Yeah, yeah. I guess as long as it's getting refinished, what's the problem? I guess, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, you know, Elaine's going to take the subway uh, home while Jerry deals with the table and George. And in order to have something to read, Jerry just happens to see a TV guide on the table, picks it up and, and tells Elaine to read that. Uh, cut to smash cut, subway cut yes. to uh, the, the subway. Uh, it's a um, jarring 
cut. Yeah, but we, I kind of liked it. We, it, we, it really we, worked with the way that with the train sound. You we, know, we we get the uh, we get the train sound, and I I know I've pointed it out before the. Uh, the, the buffer music that almost sounds like it's a parody of Seinfeld. It's the... <laughs> Again, I it, did not notice. It, I guess maybe the train overpowered it. Maybe. It's just very fast and very aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer is still talking about his book idea. He's like, celebrities and their coffee tables and, and things like that are going to be in the book. Uh, and Kramer says, you know, are you going to talk to your boss? Can you talk to your boss about this? Appendant publishing, obviously. And Elaine goes, oh yeah, first thing in the morning. And... <laughs> Then the subway announcer, or the voice of the subway, whatever it is, comes on and says, Queensboro Plaza. And Kramer goes, ooh, this station is famous for their gyros. Uh, <laughs> and Kramer is going to make a run for it because they're hot and all wrapped and ready to go. $3, no change. And he actually is like, I didn't notice it. I actually got a chance to watch this a couple times because okay. our recording of this was delayed. So uh, I didn't notice it until like one of the other viewings was that you know two other people want what he calls gyros, I call them euros. What, yes. Where's your pronunciation on I, that? I always called them gyros growing up, and then like I, I got to college and learned. Oh wait, it's actually pronounced euro. Like I, I went yeah. to a Greek fate, a Greek fest that served euros, and I'm like, what the hell is a euro? <laughs> it, it sounds like, like hero. It, You're like, oh hero. Well, I, I thought they were saying like, oh like euros, like European oh, euros? money. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea it wasn't pronounced gyro until I was like 18 or 19. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the only reason I said it like that, gyros, because Kramer says it that way. Exactly. But I, I, I also always feel kind of pretentious sometimes because I, you know, I'll say like, "Oh, I'd like the euro," and <laughs> I feel like you know, it sounds like hoity-toity. I, I, like, I, I feel like it's one of those things you have to like uh, go with a group of people to get, and you just have to observe what everyone else is calling it. Yeah, yeah, and then just go with the flow. Yeah, if, everyone, yeah. if, if it's a gyro don't, group, just say gyro. Don't, don't be, don't be the one person who's like, well, actually, it's pronounced <laughs> euro. But like, don't be yeah. that dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so he had to like, it obviously is famous for its euros because he has to fight two other people who also want euros <laughs> and make it back to the train uh, on there. The, so the, um, that it, I'm it, assuming like the other people are also trying to make it back onto the train, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> And so when Kramer gets up to leave, uh, I'm going to call this guy Ted from Scrubs. Yes! That's just what I'm going to call him. <laughs> yes. I, I I wrote down. I was like, is this Ted Buckland from Scrubs? I it, the, the whole time in my notes, I just refer to him as creepy guy. Uh, but we can, yes. we can definitely just refer to him as Ted from Scrubs. <laughs> I, I wrote down Ted from Scrubs, I think, every time. Well, wait, so. and, and you know what? We'll, we'll split the difference and just call him creepy Ted. Creepy Ted, yeah. Uh, <laughs> creepy Ted, you know, sits down and, and asks if Elaine... Um, wants a highlighter in order to <laughs> highlight the shows that she's interested in watching. And, you know, she's like, oh, I, I'm just reading it. And um, he says, oh, it's um, I, I've just never seen a beautiful lady reading The Guide. Yes. So the, far from a TV. The, the Guide. <laughs> Which is obviously like what the fanboys call it. You know, oh, you're reading The Guide. Did you get the new guide? <laughs> There's only one guide. It's the TV guide. The Guide. It's the Guide. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so as, uh, so here's where I noticed that like a couple of people made it back to the train with euros, but Kramer would have been third in line cause he gets kind of shoved behind the other two people. Uh -huh. And so that's why he doesn't make it back to the train in time. Only but, his arm oh my, uh, makes he, it into the he, train. He's so close. He almost makes it. Uh, but like his, his yeah, you're, you're right. His, his arm gets caught like right in his armpit. The, the door shuts. Meanwhile, somebody comes by takes his gyro out of his yeah. hand, just 
it doesn't even like look him in the face. Just no, yoink. no. <laughs> and, yeah, and, just and does he it. does he get pushed out? Uh, like, does the guy who takes his gyro push him out, or does he just kind of like fall out as the as the subway starts going again? Yeah, I think he pulls his arm and, okay. and sort of falls out. Yeah, yeah. But that guy sits down next to another guy who also got a gyro. <laughs> you know, one of the guys who made it back to the train. Um, yeah, and so Kramer missed the train. You know, the train takes off, and um, then you know, Ted, creepy Ted says, um, oh, you're, it looks like your boyfriend's going to have to catch the next train. Elaine says, he's not my boyfriend. And creepy Ted goes, he's not? Interesting. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Over at Revelations Antiques, which, by the way, is not a real store. Dang it. It is a, a fictional storefront. Dang I know. It. I was kind of curious. It looks real. I mean, they did a great job with the sign, I got to say. There was no address listed on the, on the right. storefront, was there? No, no. Okay. But this is not the last fake business. Well, fake slash real business. There's another interesting one, uh, a very interesting case coming up. But Revelations Antiques, no, is is not real. They just did a great job with the with the signage. I feel like it's up there with the um the optical store from uh back in the whatever you know. I which I I don't know whether it was real or renamed or what, but um yeah, th- that's where they're getting the table refinished. And you know, so George is talking over that, and Jerry is kind of looking around the store. He's like, you know, maybe I should get a gift for Elaine. Not only because, I mean, he, he gives his first reason as that noble reason, as sometimes the gang tends to when they think of something, you know, that is seemingly <laughs> nice on the surface. He's like, well, you know, I told her I'd drive her home and then I didn't. And then I could bring it over right now and see Winona. And, you know, how does <laughs> seeing me give Elaine a gift hurt me? Yeah, exactly. And George thinks it's genius. Exactly. It, I mean, uh, before he picks out what to give, it's a perfect <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. So he picks out a cigar store Indian. Which is, you know, which is a thing. Like, are, were you familiar with this concept? Uh, I, I feel like I am, but I don't mm. know how. I've only been in cigar stores a few times. Uh, and the ones that I've been in, I don't think they had Indian statues. Yeah, it probably is something that has died out. But uh-huh. certainly in like when Jerry and George would have been growing up. Like every tobacco shop probably would have had this for whatever reason. Maybe it was like a mascot at one point, or or a you know a um I don't know what you'd call it. Just the what what was on the labels or whatever. You know, uh, Native Americans are always you know portrayed on tobacco labels, mm-hmm. and so it, it just became like something that was in every single tobacco store for one reason or another. I don't know the exact history. Maybe we can look it up with Kasha for next <laughs> week. But but it is kind of a you know it is kind of a thing, and that's the name. So if I say Indian throughout. The podcast when I'm referring to the cigar store Indian, that's why. <laughs> but 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 by the way, anytime it did come up, I did I I started um, abbreviating it CSI. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah actually, that's that's not <laughs> yeah. bad. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll call it the CSI. The, the, C, the CSI. I like that. We can do that. That that, that way we're not like uh, I don't know. Uh, perpetuating a and, cultural and, insensitive exactly that way we're that, that way we're not appropriating uh, Native Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't, and we don't have to like force that into a you know a phrase from pop culture like cigar store Native American. Nobody would ever say that. So, um, but the, the, but Jerry also you know Jerry's also into the pun kind of it of it being a peace offering. You know. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I love this was one of my favorite lines, by the way. So the table guy's like, all right, you know, it'll be uh, you can come pick it up in two days. And George uh-huh. is like, all right, can't be any later than that because my parents are coming back. <laughs> and the, the guy who was like, you know, 70 years old or whatever, he's like, oh, they left you home alone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, finally, someone's giving it to George about acting like this uh-huh. in his late 30s while his parents are gone, uh-huh. like still being scared of what his parents are going to do when he's been <laughs> left home alone. <laughs> oh, they left you home alone, huh? <laughs> Just so sarcastic and great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back on the subway, uh, the TV guide weirdo, Creepy Ted, uh, is talking about, you know, it's sort of like analyzing um, the TV guide that Elaine is reading, or the guide, sorry, that Elaine is reading. And he's like, well, you could have watched six hours of Lucy on this day. You could have watched I Love Lucy, the Lucy <laughs> show. I love the way he says Lucy. Here's oh, Lucy. <laughs> and, and this is just like a thing that he enjoys doing. He's like, oh, yeah, you could have watched six hours of Lucy. I'm like, uh, he just reads Lucy. through it like on days that he wasn't watching TV <laughs> to see what was on. What did I miss? What oh, good TV man. Did I miss? And Elaine has, you know, he's at this point, he's sitting next to Elaine. And so uh-huh. Elaine, like, just wants to leave the situation. So she just kind of picks a random stop and gets off. And she's like, oh, this is this is my stop. And, and she forgets the TV guide. And Creepy Ted yells after her. But then he notices that there's an address on the label. And it, of course, has F. Costanza. Uh-huh. But, he, you know, he has no idea that that is any different than, you know, that must be where Elaine lives mm-hmm. is uh, what we're kind of led to believe here. Uh, back at the antique store. Uh, Jerry and the owner, presumably, are talking about the cigar store. Oh, the CSI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Sylvia walks in, and she's 45 minute, minutes late, and the owner starts like laying into her. Sylvia, you're 45 minutes late. And she's like, ah, whatever. And so she starts talking to George, and she's got a thick Queens, New York accent. Yes. Oh, my god. Is that your car? <laughs> yeah, she, she's just very impressed that the guys are from Manhattan. And, yeah, and I, I think she's from Manhattan, and I think George at that point says, "Well, he is." Yeah, and, yeah, and then and, and he points out that it's is that your car? And he's like, "Well, it's his." And everything cool about the situation is Jerry. Uh huh. Yeah, but but then she says, "I didn't think any cool guys lived in the neighborhood." And George at that point, I think, starts playing it up that, "Oh, oh okay, she she start she's starting to think that I'm cool as well." And now she knows that I live here. I live in the area, not in Manhattan. Yeah, he's cool by association with Jerry. I mean, oh, obviously sure. he came in that car mm-hmm. and, you know, he's spent time in Manhattan or whatever. Yeah, so <laughs> he, he starts trying to milk the situation. That, you know, it's not as – he thought like, well, that's now Jerry's car. Jerry's from Manhattan, but she doesn't care. He, he, he's he got the Jerry, you know, runoff, essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I didn't think any cool guys lived in this neighborhood. And, yeah, George is like, oh, they do now. Neighborhood's changing. Oh, uh, God. And – and so Jerry is buying the CSI, and she's like, oh, you're buying it? You got great... T- By the way, I hope I'm not triggering any Queens residents by appropriating their, uh, their <laughs> accent. I know I'm trying and butchering it, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, you guys have great taste. And George goes, we're uh, collectors. We see objects of great beauty, and we must have them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and this gets a great eye roll from Jerry, who's kind of like eavesdropping on the situation. But, you know, he he doesn't like blow his friend in and like, you know, start roasting. Him. He's like, whatever, what a cheesy line. But whatever, you know, mm-hmm. my friend's trying to get some. So <laughs> but he does. He does have like it's like kind of an eye roll. Congratulations combo. Look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to George uh, over at Elaine's apartment. It is poker night. And Jerry drops by with a gift. By the way, I, I, th- this happened on my second viewing as well. I was almost certain that Jamie Presley was the woman sitting next to Winona. Oh man, I. You know my name is Earl. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I know yeah. who my name is. I know who Jamie oh, Presley is. I see you're trying to picture the woman. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, I, I didn't pick up on it. But you know, I kind of want to go back 
and check it out because I'm always down to uh, see Jamie Presley in the wild. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I was like, this it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if in '93 she just took a you know an yeah, extra not yeah, not even a really. named role in Seinfeld. You know, it was filmed out in L.A. Like crazier. But I, I'm I'm upon my second viewing, I was like, okay, I'm, that's definitely not her. And I was dumb to think that it was. But go back and, and look for yourself if you have time. And oh, see. So it's definitely not. You think? Well, I, I can't say definitely, but I'm, okay. I'm I want to say 99 percent sure that it's not. Okay. Oh yeah. man. All right, but now I'm curious to see if I was just completely off and like, oh, that doesn't look anything like. Not even in the, not even without your glasses on, would you think that's Jamie Presley? <laughs> <laughs> but so Jerry drops by with the big gift, and he, you know, it's kind of got a trash bag on it, and he pulls off the top, and mm-hmm. he says, "Ta da!" And the room is like shocked and silent. Oh, but Jerry yeah. is not. Jerry is not reading the room. He's so very excited about this gift, and, and Elaine's like, it's a what? And he's like, it's kitschy. Come on. He thinks that's why they're so shocked. Like, well, this is weird, and, and Jerry's trying to explain <laughs> it that way. And he's like, I, you know, I got a card, and Elaine reads the card, and she goes, oh, thank you. He's like, read it out loud. And she's like, Jerry, I don't think that's a good idea. And so he takes the card from Elaine, and she oh, can't no. stop him. So he says, he explains, we got in a little fight, and I uh-huh. wanted to make it up to her, so... It's the card says, "Let's bury the hatchet. We smoke them peace pipe." Oh no! <laughs> and Jerry oh, braces no. for the uproarious laughter that is sure to come. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, and it's at this point that Winona excuses herself, and Elaine's like, "I, I, I can't blame you, Winona," and and she kind of leaves. And it's at this point too that Jerry starts rocking the cigar store Indian back and forth, and going, "Hey, uh, ho, uh, hey, uh, ho." Uh. Oh and, my gosh! And Elaine comes back, and he goes, "Are you out of your mind?" Oh, and this is where Jerry goes. He thinks she's still upset about like what a weird gift it is, but he's like, "That's oh, kitschy," and uh, she goes, "Winona is a Native American," and Jerry. <laughs> It was shocked. He's like, she is? He had no idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so uncomfortable to watch. I also love... I'm, you, you sometimes watch with the captions on, I know. And uh-huh. I had them on because I had to rewind it like 90 times to hear what Kramer said after Elaine turns down the offer of a gyro. She, he goes, do you want one? She goes, no, thanks. And he goes, okay, but no bites. And I could not, <laughs> for the life of me, hear what he said. I was like, what does he say there? I, I don't remember what it sounded like at this point, but I had the captions still on in this uh-huh. scene. And... The hey yahoas, the way they were written out, I gotta admit, was pretty funny. It was, it was, uh, it was something. (laughs) The way they were written out, I can't even remember the way that, but it it was like, you know, it was like H E A A H H O A H. I don't know. It was, I was like, I guess that's what I don't know what I would do if I was writing captions. That's, that's pretty much right. Hey, ah, ho, ah. Yeah, I guess that's (laughs) good. Lord. Is that's basically all I have to say about this scene. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we go back to George's place and he has brought Sylvia to his house, as he has told her. He hasn't he hasn't said it's my parents' house. It's it's, you know, uh, his home. Uh-huh. And, and, and she's he, remarking on his unusual taste. Mm-hmm. And he is serving her prune juice because <laughs> yeah, it's all he had chilled. And he's like, sorry about the lock on the liquor cabinet. I just forgot the uh, combination. <laughs> So, so, so his not, parents don't even trust him when so, with the liquor. Rightly so, so, I guess. So not only is he left home alone and he's not allowed to have parties when they're not yeah. home, but they also put a combination lock <laughs> on the liquor cabinet. Yeah, G- yeah. George is literally like a 14-year-old. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> Still thought of that way. I, I think it's pretty obvious. And um, 
uh, Sylvia notices a picture of someone in a, in a bubble bath. He's like, oh, <laughs> is this your son in the bubble bath? And he goes, uh, no, that's that's me. He's like, oh, a lot of guys your age don't have baby pictures around. And <laughs> just like it's it's consistent with the rest of the house, <laughs> which obviously oh, is Lord. decorated like his mom did it because that's the case. Uh-huh. Uh, I like this too. So now he's serving prune juice. His baby pictures are still out. And she's like, what is this we're listening to? He's like, oh, the uh, Ray Conniff Singers. Which is obviously from his parents' record collection because the Raycon of Singers were popular in like the 1950s. Oh God! If you if you, if you frequent thrift stores, you're going to see a lot of Raycon of Singers in the uh, in the aisles of vinyl. I I had no idea who the Raycon of Singers <laughs> were, so I, I guess I'm not uh, frequenting vintage vinyl shops or vintage record shops that often. Yeah, you, you probably won't find them at vintage record shops. You'd find them in like Goodwill and oh, Salvation. Okay. Like, if, okay. you, if you dig through those crates for the gold, <laughs> most, of, most of the time you're just going to find the Raycon of Singers. Um, and then she's like, and what's that smell? Is it Kasha? Again, another Kasha reference. We have no idea. Nope. Um, but he, he does echo a line that Jerry said earlier, and he goes, it's a potpourri. <laughs> and then he's like, can I show you the master bedroom? And it is on, I guess, at oh, that point. Oh, God. Over at Winona's building, Jerry is buzzing, you know, up and uh, says, you know, it's Jerry Seinfeld. I, I want to apologize. Can I come up? And Winona's like, I'll come down. And back at Elaine's, poker night, I guess, is over at this point. And Kramer is picking up his bowling ball because he didn't take it with him when he left the subway train to get his gyro. Mm-hmm. And so he's picking that up. And then he sees the CSI, and he as just, I wrote here. And he just goes, yo. Yeah, and it, it fits right in with Kramer's whole aesthetic. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it's just a match made in heaven. I mean, not that he's racially... Well, it is Michael Richards, but not well, that Kramer's... <laughs> the, uh, that we know of, the character of uh, yeah. of Kramer, he's not racially sensitive, or racially insensitive. Michael Richards, on the other hand, is a whole different story. <laughs> That's that's still up in the air, actually, all these years later, yeah. <laughs> and so Elaine says, hey, if, if you want it, if you want to lug it uptown, you can have it. And he goes, oh, I'll lug. Uh, a, because not only does it fit in with his whole aesthetic and it's cool or whatever, like it does fit in with Kramer's, obviously Kramer's fashion sense and probably home decor stopped somewhere like 20 years before he was born, like in the 1950s, oh, you know? probably. <laughs> like the way he dresses and everything is like thrift store, you know? It's like secondhand and, and all that stuff. So it fits in totally with with his aesthetic, like I mm-hmm. said. And so and also and two, it's free. And Kramer's not gonna turn down yes. anything that's free no matter what it yes. is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so over at outside Winona's apartment, Jerry's explaining that, you know, he's sensitive to she's like, hey, you know, it's just a sensitive issue to me. He's like, it definitely should be. And so he's sort of, you know, trying to make trying to make amends with her. And, yeah, and he, uh, he's, he's very close to sealing the deal with apologizing. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he asks her to dinner and yeah. she's totally into it because uh, I mean. Uh, Jerry, uh, what we know of Jerry to this point, Jerry is not racially insensitive and he's just trying to explain the situation. Um, but then something happens uh, where he's trying to ask for directions and uh, he asks the mailman just completely innocently. He's asking, hey, do you know where the Chinese restaurant is? Yeah, well, I like the way he puts it. He says, you must know where the Chinese restaurant is because there's a Szechuan restaurant in the neighborhood. He doesn't remember exactly where. He just thinks, and uh, again, completely innocently, he thinks, okay, he's a mailman. He sees everything. Bingo. But the mailman he asks is an Asian mailman. Yeah. And then the mailman uh like perks up <laughs> and the mailman the the mailman comes uh, back up and he's like, 
Oh, Mr. Honorable Mailman, please could you give me the location of the restaurant? Yeah, yeah. He goes into like a st- he's like, oh, no. why must why do I have to know where the Chinese restaurant is? Because I'm Chinese. Uh. Uh, yeah, and then he and then he goes into like a stereotypical accent, like you know, oh, calling no. essentially, you know, outing Jerry as racially insensitive. Yeah, but but, um, but I I can see Jerry's point. He wasn't trying to be no. racially insensitive. It's just a very bad circumstance to be in. Yeah, just bad luck. Yeah, just the worst very, possible time. And and, and the mailman was luck. in the wrong at this point. His <laughs> his back was to Jerry. <laughs> you know, his back was to Jerry when he said, "You must know where the." So how was you know? I I'm totally on Jerry's side here. In this instance, he's not it, in the wrong. In in this exact instance, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Later on, I, I have a question, but we'll we'll get to that. But you know, Winona's kind of flaking, going, "Well, actually, it's late. Maybe I don't." And Jerry's like pleading with her to, yes. you know, s- stick around. He didn't know about the the, the mailman could have been Chinese. And I, at I, that moment, oh man, I did love though what the mailman says to Jerry back. And I don't know. Oh, if you Mr. American, it. where is well, uh, Mr. Hamburger Mr. Hot Dog? Mr. American Joe, where is Hamburger Hot Dog stand? Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jerry's just a generic white guy as far as this guy knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love right that. At, I was dying. <laughs> right at that moment, Kramer drives by in a cab. The, the cigar oh. store, the CSI, is poking out of the window, and he goes, Hey, Jerry, look what I got. And he starts doing the hand over the mouth, the, the, I, you know, I, stereotypical I asked, Native American war cry, exactly. whatever you want to call that. <laughs> I, I, I asked Grace uh, on this because if there's one thing that Grace uh, loves to stand up for, it's uh, rights for Native American people. And oh. I, I don't know how how she... Uh, came into this, but it, it's like the one thing that she would like live and die for is wow. uh, is to see like uh, e- equal rights and uh, representation for Native American people. And I was asking her, I'm like, how would you describe what Kramer just did? <laughs> and she's like, honestly, uh, I, I please don't do it on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't uh, mimic it on the show. Uh, but I would just call it like a a Native American battle cry. And ah, I, actually, that's kind of what I, I said. Yeah, exactly. And I I asked her that, and she's like, I I guess I I think that works. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it, it was, I don't know. Uh, if, I don't know if that was even you know used by an actual Native American tribe and then appropriated later. I, I have a feeling it's probably just like one of those things that was in talkies back in the 1940s, you know, oh, and like probably. that was made up by Hollywood. You oh, know, it's like, well, we need him to make a scary sound and then like someone just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be surprised, but I also, you know, wouldn't be surprised to find out it was something that has, has also been appropriated. So it, it, um, it's, it's something that white people think that Native Americans <laughs> do all the time. Bingo. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And whether or not they actually did, I guess that's the question. <laughs> Um, over at George's, by the way, so he's putting down the table that has been refinished, and I swear it looks exactly like a table that <laughs> Sarah and I used to have as our coffee table. Oh, really? So. What? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Looks looks very similar. Maybe I'll take a picture of it. I know it's I know where it is downstairs because <laughs> we bought another one, but we kept that one because it used to be like down at the foot of our guest bed. Um, but I'm I'm almost. It looks very similar anyway. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry is kind of like rationalizing his interaction with the postal worker the the chinese postal worker but here's here's my here's where i'm questioning now whether jerry is actually racially insensitive or not he's defending the wrong aspect of it he should have he should have stuck with like <laughs> i didn't know the guy was chinese he had his back to me i, yeah, I thought but, i was asking because he was a postal worker but, but instead but instead he, like, of that he he's like 
aren't we all getting a little too sensitive? Yeah, and I agree the postman was too sensitive because he was in the wrong because Jerry, he, he totally misunderstood why Jerry was asking him. But Jerry goes, if somebody asked me which way is Israel, I don't fly off the handle. If they saw you from behind and asked that, I would, it'd be a different story, I think. But if they, if someone like walked up to a Jewish person and said, which way is Israel? I think you got a right to fly off the handle. Just like if I, Jerry saw yeah, a I Chinese so man too. in no uniform whatsoever and said, you must know where the Chinese restaurant is. Or even anyone who looked remotely Asian. Uh-huh, that's, I would say that's, that Jerry's in the wrong. It's so totally what, I, different, I, yeah. So I don't know why he's defending the wrong aspect of the... He's like, I should be able to ask anybody you know, a, stereo, a, a question that is based on stereotypes uh-huh. and, have not, and have them not get angry. In, he doesn't need to defend that aspect of it. Exactly. Instead of like <laughs> defending... Uh, he's defend... I, Correct me if I'm wrong. He's defending the right thing with the wrong reasoning. Is that does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. So he's defending. Well, no, because he's defending uh, the right for people to ask stereotypical questions of a person's race, which is not that. That's yes. That, that, that's that's in the what wrong. he picked to so, defend. So he's he's defending the wrong thing. Is he defending the wrong thing with the wrong reasoning? Um, no, he, not he, in his not in his case. He's uh-huh. saying that we, you know he thinks he whether it's actually correct is one thing, but you know I guess he's saying that you should be able to ask somebody a stereotypical question and have them not get angry. That's Jerry's thesis statement. Whether <laughs> it's you know correct or not, whether you agree with it, that's another thing. Yeah, but that's you know you could say that's the that's his argument. Yeah, which I, I mean, in in with a different thesis statement, this is a good point to make. Uh, but uh, the the way Jerry brings it up, not so much. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, certainly, I I think that if you're Jewish, you have a right to be insulted if someone says which way is Israel. Oh, absolutely, you know, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. And I know he was, and I know he's engaging in hyperbole, you know, to be funny, but it still is like, I, I, just his argument was like, just completely. I guess they just wrote it for comedy and not for like. You know, if this was written in 2019, they would have probably found a funny way for him to go. His back was to me. I, how was I supposed to know he was Chinese? That's what he should be saying right now. Not, and and honestly, Winona should be smart enough to know that that was the case. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Frankly, I'm yeah. surprised that he needed to smooth things over with her. Yeah, I, I mean, she's already like kind of uncomfortable from earlier. So yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. Uh, it's one, another strike. Exactly. Is, I'm not 100 yeah. percent sold on the idea that like Jerry's. Uh, really short explanation of what happened earlier at Elaine's was enough to just completely set her back at ease and, and like put her back to like, oh yeah, this is 100% a good guy who means well with everything he does. So, right, so, right. so she was still a little on edge and then this happens and she's like, okay, never mind. I'm getting away from this Seinfeld guy as quick yeah. as possible. The optics were bad, we can yeah, say, yeah, with yeah. the postman interaction. Yeah, But, you know, Winona has calmed down, and he's going to see her tonight. But after two strikes, as we've you know just discussed, he's worried about making another mistake. But by the way, let me go back one just one second to the Israel thing. Even George looks at him like, are you a dumbass? Like when he goes, <laughs> if someone asks me, the, George is, the look on George's face, did you notice it? He like... No, puts his I eyebrows didn't. down and goes, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, but I just thought that was funny that, that at least someone has a normal re- had our reaction to that argument yes. in that scene. But it, they don't dwell on it like we have. But anyway, so r- pretty much right at that moment, uh, George's parents come home. Just like he is 14, his mom is like so excited to see George. And I love that his dad <laughs> just goes, where's the mail? 
uh, and he's like, the stack is smaller than it should be. Where's the TV guide? Jer- you know, they go like, what TV guide? And um, he's like, volume 41, number 31. And George <laughs> the, the, the lets Jerry in on the... he knows exactly what issue, volume, <laughs> uh, volume and issue it is, is uh, concerning. But I mean, it, it, it's because Jerry says that, or no, George says that he collects them. Yeah. And Jerry says that he gave it to Elaine, and Frank is just so upset with that Elaine would come in and take <laughs> someone's TV guide when, when in reality, like it's a magazine you're supposed to throw out after a week, really. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, I've been and to, it was the week they were on vacation. Yes, and I, I've been to like collectible stores here here in Erie, uh, and there's boxes of old yeah. TV guides, and I'm like, why? <laughs> who who collected these? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, is the point of me to thumb through like a TV guide from 1994 to see like what was on at CBS Tuesday at 8:30 p.m.? I don't. My guess don't is care. that like when when something has a celebrity on it, you feel like it might be worth something one day, you know. But the, the <laughs> thing was, they printed a billion of those every month, and obviously everyone kept them. And so a billion you know, and, every and, month, like, a billion every week. It's yeah, a, that's it, true. It, You're it's right. A weekly magazine. Yeah. Um, and so I guess people thought like, oh, well, when Ed McMahon does pass away, this edition of or let's say Al Roker in this case, when Al Roker passes away, this edition of TV Guide will be worth something. You know, people will pay for this. But in reality, that's that's it's I don't not, think I, it's not the I, case. I, you know what? Here's what I want to do for homework. I want to look up the most expensive TV Guide ever sold, like at auction or on eBay or oh, whatever man. the case may be. That's a good I want one. To see okay. if I, that's out there to see if it is worth saving. TV guides. If you have like a a relative that has a bunch in their garage, whether you can just trash them right now or whether that million dollar edition might be in there, I want to find out. So I'm going to do that. All right, you uh, want to so look got... that up, or do you want me to look that up? I'll, I'll you, you can if you have you know if you have time to Google, I'll, you go ahead. But uh, I will also try. We can compare okay. results. But <laughs> right now it's Kasha and TV Guide. Well, there, uh, there's you, something else too. There's some. Oh, Jamie Presley. Jamie Presley, which I'm thinking is going to be pretty easy to to, to find out <laughs> that it wasn't her. But um, then. Estelle yeah, shouts from the bedroom and comes into the room and she's like, this was on our bed and hands it to Frank. He's like, what is this? A prophylactic wrapper, <laughs> which <laughs> is the funniest word for a condom that you can say like prophylactics ever, ever since the first time you hear it, you're like, that's, there's something funny about that word. It is. Uh, and, and it totally fits a, like a, you know, someone who grew up before the sexual revolution would call it a prophylactic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and George, you can see his, uh, you can like see the gears starting to turn like kudos to Jason Alexander for like just acting completely with his face. Cause every other part of his body is still, and you can see him frantically working on, the lie that he's going to tell in this instance. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jerry does a great face palm in this scene too. And he goes, I'll see you later. And he leaves George <laughs> uh, who tries to like grab Jerry's Jerry's wearing the purple jacket, by the way, I think the same one from uh, the non-fat yogurt that I kind of liked. Although oh, it looked wow. a little puffier. Okay. That one looked like a slim fit. This one looked a little puffier, but I, hmm. I think it's the same. He was just wearing it a little differently. I don't know. Um, but so Jerry exits the scene and, and George uh, couldn't think of a good lie. He just kind of fesses up. Um, you know that that's what happened in there and estelle says she can't sleep in there now and then frank says you're grounded to george <laughs> and george fights back like what do you can't ground me he's like well as long as you're living again it gives him another straight parenting line as long as you're living under my roof 
you follow my rules and you're grounded or something like that. <laughs> Over at Winona's, uh, they're going out to eat that evening. And Jerry got a reservation, a gentle. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to blow that, blow the joke just yet. But uh, she's like, oh, where are we going to eat? He was like, oh, gentle harvest. And she goes, oh, wow. I heard it's really tough to get in. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, I made a reser. Uh, Jerry is so <laughs> on edge about making another racially insensitive remark that he won't even use the word reservation uh-huh. around her. He's and then he so he says I uh, I arranged for accommodations <laughs> and and then he's like and then look at this look what I got floor seats to the Knicks game and she was like oh where'd you get these he's like oh, I got them from a ska uh, you know one of those guys <laughs> well one of those uh, one of those ticket guys you know <laughs> one of those t- who, who have she's like what guys all the sold out events <laughs> the guys that uh, sell tickets to sold out events yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I, I just lo- this scene I thought was great. I don't know how you thought it played, but we can we can talk about that in a second. But he's like, "Oh, you got the Mark McEwen TV guide," and she goes, "That's Al Roker." And Jerry goes, "Oh, well, they're both chubby weathermen." Uh, <laughs> and I had to look up. I, normally, I would this would be homework, but I had to know more about this joke. So I looked up Mark McEwen. I did too. Was, I did too. Yeah, he was the CBS this morning. He was a CBS morning show weatherman from like 1987 to 2002. He worked. And oh man, I, I, I didn't. I don't remember this guy. I don't either. I, I saw that he had one of the most glorious mustaches I've ever seen, though. <laughs> Man. Did, did you see... Hang on. I don't know if you looked at his Wikipedia article. Now I got to look it up again because I, I made a note to... Um, it's spelled really weird. It's like it's like Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Like a- Mark M- McEwen. A- M-C-E-W-E-N. Mark McEwen. Oh, he did have a very Harvey-ish stash, I got to say. Right? Um, oh, but so here's one beautiful. of the weirdest Wikipedia. Here's one of the weirdest Wikipedia edits that I have ever <laughs> ever seen oh, in my God. life. That's, under uh, the car- that's going somewhere. Jeez. Under the career section, here it is. McEwen has interviewed five presidents. More important than the presidents, however, McEwen interviewed the Queen, otherwise known as Beyonce. In that interview, <laughs> it was not McEwen who was lucky. It was Beyonce. What is that? <laughs> what? <laughs> What in the world does that mean? I'm. I think they just. I think they messed up. I think it should say like, in that interview, it was not Beyonce that was lucky. It was McEwen. I think is what they because it's obviously written by a Beyonce fan, but is not that not the weirdest? Like who went into a forgotten weatherman's Wikipedia page to put in some Beyonce love? That is incredible oh my god so weird so (laughs) unbelievably weird and uh i know i i know you were you were wondering like how how i thought this scene played uh but but, like jerry is even saying uh, because he says like oh i mean they're both chubby weathermen talking about al roker and mark McEwen. but he also he also says i get dom DeLuise and paul prudhomme mixed up all the time yes Uh, i I don't i don't know what dom DeLuise and paul prudhomme uh, look like uh, so I, they're I, both I don't chubby, know. They're both chubby white guys. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I mean, I, I that, that makes sense in, yeah. in my head now that you say it. Uh, but I, I wanted to point out, uh, before we get to like how I thought this scene played out, um, Winona is, or Jerry is obviously trying to like watch his words because he doesn't want to offend, uh, Winona. He doesn't want to offend, uh, anybody who is Native American, Mm-hmm. Uh, on purpose, anyway, or 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 by accident, I guess. But right. also confusing Al Roker and Mark McEwen because oh yeah, they look the same. Completely negates everything he's trying to do. Yeah, I mean he, they try to make a joke out of it by saying oh they're both chubby weathermen, but they're also both overweight African Americans. Yes, that yes. didn't help. It would have played funnier if 
he started with Dom DeLuise and Paul Perdue. I'm like, oh, you have the Dom DeLuise TV guide. Uh, but obviously, they could, probably couldn't get a Dom DeLuise cameo, and maybe this maybe this whole episode hinged on on that. Uh, spoiler alert! But um, on who you know, they that would have been funnier because like at the end of the both... episode. What's that? On who they could get a cameo for at the end of the episode? You mean? That's kind of my guess. Yeah, okay, and it was an yeah. NBC show, and and Roker's an NBC guy. So, um, but here's it's, but it would have played better because. Maybe it wasn't as big a deal in '93, and it was still funny. I, I can we can almost guarantee it wasn't as big a deal in '93 to say that exactly, exactly that two black celebrities look alike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I, I mean, uh, again, I, it just totally reiterates or it totally negates, I should say, uh, everything Jerry is trying to do here. Yeah, if if Winona was was a little more woke, you might say that she would say, "Well, you know, they're also both African American or something like that," you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, like well, oh, oh, so you get them mixed up because yeah. they look alike or whatever. Yeah, but, but she might mean, have jumped on that. Yeah, but I mean, she's she's also not the one who gets it mixed up. Like she corrects Jerry in a, a pretty, uh, pretty intense tone because he's like, "Oh yeah, you have the Mark McEwen TV guide." She's like, "That's Al Roker." Oh yeah, yeah yeah. So maybe that was her way of of sort of pointing that out. But um, here's kind of a funny thing too is that I get Dom DeLuise and Paul Perdue mixed up too. Dom DeLuise was an actor <laughs> from like you know back in the. 70s and 80s and he's like you know kind of a bigger guy with a beard and Paul Perdome is a celebrity chef I think he specializes in like Cajun food mostly okay um, but he's I don't know whether they sell still sell these spices but I used to see what I thought was Dom DeLuise's face at the grocery store and just like uh, you know say um, Paul Newman I was like oh Dom DeLuise must just have this and it wasn't until I was a grown adult that I was like oh that's not Dom DeLuise it was Paul Prudhomme the whole time <laughs> Um, so you know, both of those guys were still definitely household names in 93. I mean, Dom DeLuise was probably like still yucking it up with, well, I guess it's probably Jay Leno at the time, but uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't more than a few years since he had been yucking it up with Johnny Carson, you know, once a month on the tonight show or whatever. And, uh, and Paul Prudhomme was like, you know, a, a celebrity chef, like I mentioned, and he had his own line of spices in the grocery store. And I, I swore they were the same person or, or I didn't even know the name Paul Prudhomme. I just thought it was dom DeLuise, you know yeah 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 <laughs> uh, so i thought that that was very you know kind of very relatable for me that he gets that mixed up as well but uh jerry uh takes the guide he um winona gives him the tv guide so he can return it to frank a pristine copy of the tv guide that he is missing thus completing his life's work up to now um over at i guess is this elaine's apartment no uh, this no, is we're uh, back at jerry's jerry's apartment yeah elaine says she's going to go over to uh, the Costanza's house to deliver the TV guide in person. That's pretty much all we get here. Uh, yeah, then we I, get a... I, yeah, I was wondering like why Jerry gave it to Elaine instead of just giving it back to Frank himself. But then it, it, it made sense when I, I thought about it for another second. Like, oh, because Elaine wants to clear her own name in, in Frank's yeah. eyes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, here it, here it is. I got it for you. Hopefully, you know, because yeah. she needs to make it up. Also, like, uh, Kramer comes in and Elaine didn't tell her boss about the coffee table coffee table book <laughs> yeah uh yeah and 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 also uh kramer i i don't know if like he just decided that he didn't want it in his house but he decides that he's going to try and sell the csi to a cigar store right and this is where jerry finds out that that's the csi that he bought for elaine and elaine has gotten rid of it yes um and then there's a quick cutaway here to the weird uh, creepy Ted who is cutting <laughs> up the TV guide into little strips. And did you hear what he's humming here? No. What's he humming? He's humming the tune to I Love Lucy. Oh, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. Lord. So he's obsessed. He is obsessed. <laughs> creepy Ted. Um, 
we cut back to the apartment and uh yeah this is where kramer yeah and they have that discussion about the uh, coffee table book and stuff like that oh and, okay i thought i thought this uh, that all happened and then the cutaway and then the next scene okay i i must no, not no. have written down the cutaway yeah for some reason it was like really quick and, and shoved in the middle there um i guess because they changed subjects kind of right after that and they thought maybe it, it, it worked better cut like that maybe back at george's parents place frank is days later still talking about the tv guide he's like who walks into someone's house uh, yeah and just takes it <laughs> how do you just walk into a house and take a tv guide like it and you can tell it's a, it's george has been hearing this possession. also yes <laughs> yeah and you can tell george is just fed up with it at this point too and, and he's like how am i supposed to watch tv am i just supposed to wander around the channels aimlessly which is an interesting <laughs> peek into the way you watched tv in 93 you know we've talked about it before like you know, uh, Jerry, when Jerry was talking about flipping through the channels and, and stuff like that, one of um, one of, I'd say, the good stand up bits that we really liked where he was like, you know, you, you line up 30 jokers in a row and go, oh, what are you talking about? No, nah, that's not funny. What about you? And, you know, that's how you flip channels around. And, and you were like, oh, yeah, I, I'll I flipped up and down the guide. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, no, we didn't used to have a guide. The best the, the best invention of the 90s was the TV guide channel. Yeah, which was a we've talked about this before, which yes. was a slow crawl of everything it was it looked like your cable guide that you'd see today uh-huh. but it crawled up the screen because our our remotes didn't have any you know menu button or anything like that yes and um, I, I i think we've talked about this before but like i've i've never known a world where having a tv guide magazine was i i shouldn't call it a necessity but yeah. a, a a um a prerequisite for watching tv i've never known a, a world where at least the tv guide channel wasn't a thing because there was the tv guide channel and then there was just uh like fully user controlled like guides mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Th- and and that's what we still have today yeah yeah and i do remember that the newspaper used to print the tv and cable listings like in the lifestyle section at least when i when i was growing up you know sort of at the same time as the tv guide channel was a thing so for planning oh, yeah. purposes for planning purposes, you could get the paper and you could see what was going to be on, you know, if it was like holiday special time or whatever, yes. or, or, or sporting yes. events and stuff like that, or, or, uh, what channel yeah, it's going to be on. If you're looking up something that is not in the next two hours, which is what the TV Guide channel was going to tell you. If yes, it's something yeah. like, hey, what time is this on tonight? Or uh, who's p- or like uh, who's uh, my team playing tomorrow night on Monday Night Football, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bingo. And you might even see some of those synopses in there. You know, yeah. they'd be they'd be like shortened, but you could you could you know sometimes you'd see those. Uh, they might highlight an episode like tonight on Seinfeld. Is Jerry <laughs> racially insensitive? You know, uh, stuff like that. Um, but so there's a ring at the doorbell and Estelle answers it, and it's creepy Ted, and he's asking for Elaine, which I don't remember her telling him her name, but somehow he knows it. Um, you know, do you remember him? Do you remember her telling him her name? I I think she did. I think she hmm. did at some point. She must have because he's you know asking for Elaine and, and yeah. Elaine's mom is like oh Elaine Bennis that's one of George's friends she doesn't live here and he made her a bouquet or not, from not Elaine's mom George's mom George's mom sorry yeah <laughs> and uh, that's one of George's friends and he made her a bouquet from the TV guide that he kept from her yes so very odd behavior uh, and showed up at the house the place that she he thought was her house too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, over on the subway, Elaine is on her way to the Costanzas, and as we know, she has to pass Queensboro Station, mm-hmm. and she, you know, thinks about the. She goes, "Ooh, gyro" or something like that, <laughs> and she. 
pushes a lady out of the way who, by the way, also had money ready in her hand yes. for a gyro purchase. So I, I like that. I like that everyone knows the deal and you can make it to the train if you're the first one, you know, but otherwise you're, you're going to be screwed. Well, I don't know if it's just the first one because uh, it, it might be like it, first two because I would say first two. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say I'd fathom to say first two because Kramer yeah. was third and he almost made it. Yes, and uh, and Elaine does make it back with her gyro. Yes. So if there was only one other lady, and she was older, so um, you know maybe Elaine was able to get her, get her as they went out the door, but <laughs> um, she was at least one of the first two. So you do have to be one of the first two. Back at Jerry's apartment, Winona is over, and she actually needs the TV guide back. Uh, she wants to do a report. She's doing a report on minorities in the media. And she wants to use that Al Roker interview. And at this point, I'm like, what is Winona? Is she a college student? Yeah, or is she, I, I was wondering. Or maybe, like, you know, like Jerry, is she a high school student? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was wondering, I'm like, how old is this woman? I mean, even if she's a college student, at, at most, she's 22. It's been established that Jerry is in his late 30s. And, yeah, and then and then I'm like, is she a um, is she a like newspaper writer or a? Or a TV reporter or something. Yeah, and I, I actually know? went back. I'm like, did she say, I'm writing a, po- a report for work? And nope, nothing like that. Nothing to clear the air. She's just writing a report about maybe she something just, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, maybe she just likes writing reports. Like, I always wondered why we did that so much in school. I'm like, when I read a book for fun, if I ever do that in the future, am I supposed to, like, write a report on it? Like, why am I doing <laughs> this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> why and should i like cite all my sources correctly and like then just read it like ah oh, yes yes i <laughs> i uh, i did read this book and and now i now i'm sure of it i i don't know <laughs> uh, so maybe that's just what she does she's maybe. like oh my god she just comes up with the good ideas for papers and then she would have to cite tv guide um uh, mla style or whatever it would be yeah but uh, uh but but jerry jerry's late. saying that uh, he he already gave the tv guide away uh you can't give something away <laughs> and then take it back what are you uh <laughs> and then she goes what and he's like i uh you know somebody who would uh do that to a uh a person and, and I'll, I'll give jerry credit like the, the other two things he was definitely able to think on his feet and <laughs> yeah. think of something to replace the uh the, the word he almost said not here not here he is stumbling he's tripping over himself he's like you know a a a, a, a person who w- would do something like that and then winona chimes in and she says you mean like an indian giver with, yeah with, and he with goes like, like almost that exact tone too and yeah and he's like i'm uh, i'm not familiar with that term <laughs> <laughs> Which was hilarious. So back on the subway, Elaine obviously made it back uh, into the train, and she's eating a gyro, and she splorps some sauce from the gyro onto the TV guy. Yes, she is dripping white stuff all over Al Roker's yeah. face. Tzatziki sauce, if I was to guess. <laughs> That's normally where you're going to find on on a gyro. Um, <laughs> and over at George's, uh, Frank, I love this, Frank and Creepy Ted are looking at Frank's TV Guide Collection, which also, this is another great holdover from the 90s. I don't know if your dad might have had these or anything, Ted, or anybody in your family, but they are in, like, leather-bound boxes for display. Have you ever seen these this before? Uh, I don't know if I have or not. I, so I my dad like- used to collect um, consumer reports. Okay. 
And and I want to say like um, my grandpa collected National Geographic. And if you had a certain, I don't know whether it was at the end of the year or if they offered them to pay or whether you could like uh, you know subscribe at this tier, but they would send you a box that was like you know TV Guide volumes one through four, <laughs> uh, 1993 or whatever, and you would put them in this box and then you could put them in your bookcase oh, and it would look man. like a book, and then you could take them out and and so and also they'd send you an index at the end of the year of like. So if you wanted to know the, where the Al Roker interview was, you could look up our Al Roker and Al Roker's interview was in, oh, you know, volume okay. 41, issue 31. I, I, I and then you like... could go to your boxes for the, your display boxes and look in there. I mean, people did this with all sorts of magazines. Like I said, my, my dad would do this with Consumer Reports. So mm-hmm. if you want to look up coffee makers, he would look in the index for the year and then go to the the binder, the, the leather bound display oh, and get the magazine out. That's yeah. not a bad idea to do that with Consumer Reports. I feel like I think my dad had exactly one of these. And it was for, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, the magazine Speedway Illustrated. It's a, it's I'm a, not familiar. It is a uh, predominantly NASCAR magazine, uh, uh-huh. it, but it, it covers all types of racing, uh, local dirt track racing, local paved track racing. It is all about racing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, now he can go back and, and look through all of those. Yes, and I'm pretty sure it is from like the year like 95 or 96 or something. But I, I don't know if he ever got another one of those. It might have been a, a free gift that he got, like you said. Like yeah, a, yeah, they, like might, a, they, like they just send them at gift. the end of the year to their yeah. subscribers. Yeah, totally. Uh, so at this point, and so they're they're looking over the collection and admiring the collection, which is just hilarious. Like they've, you know, Frank has found a kindred spirit. We haven't seen him be friendly really with anybody, but he likes this weirdo for his love of TV guides. Um, and at this point, Elaine shows up, and the weirdo is really excited. Uh, Creepy Ted is very excited. He's, he says she looks scrumptious. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Frank is not pleased uh, about the the sauce stains on the TV guide. It's all ruined. He can't even use this, and so he starts yelling at Elaine. Creepy Ted comes to her defense and says, you can't talk to her like that. Um, and, you know, he's like, and Frank's like, this is my house. I'll talk to her however I want. And in, in the melee, Creepy Ted knocks over, you know, yeah. Estelle's table. He, he super gently knocks the table over. He just <laughs> yeah. like. He tips it over. Yeah. He just runs into it, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know what this is supposed to have done to the table. I mean, they have a, <laughs> they have a carpeted floor. It's not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it fell on a pile of gravel or, no. or nails or sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, so did the super abrasive carpet scratch the, the varnish again? It, it must have. <laughs> it would have been great if it was like a breakaway and like the edge popped off or something. That would have looked nice, but it, it doesn't. <laughs> so cut to Gus's smoke shop, which is a real place, or at least was oh, at one point. Okay. Uh, located at 13420, as you see on the awning, 13420 Ventura Boulevard. Sherman Oaks, California. This is California shot for New York City. What? Oh my yes. god. This is a California storefront. Oh man. <laughs> and if you look at uh, if you look at Street View, there's it doesn't appear it appears to be vacant right now. It closed around 2009 apparently. Aww. Um but if when you look on Street View, you can see if you compare you know, the pause shot of Gus's smoke shop um, to the, you know, you can see the door, the windows and, and everything. So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very similar, but it's vacant right now. And, and it closed about 10 years ago. Apparently, you know, they still talk about it on tobacco forums. Like, oh, man, one of my favorite stories. You went in. Gus was always so nice. And, and I read a lot of, like, you know, odd tobacco Internet forum posts about Gus's smoke shop. People loved it. Yeah. So everyone in Sherman Oaks must have been like, hey, watching this episode, that's not New York City. Come on. 
Uh, uh, but Kramer is trying to sell the CSI, and the uh-huh. best that this Gus can do in New York is a box of Coronas. Uh, and Kramer, you know, rebuffs his offer, but just happened to be in the store at that moment, Mr. Lipman, yeah, uh, I, Elaine's boss at Pendant Publishing. I had no idea who he was outside of the realm of Pendant Publishing. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? He looks very familiar. And then he, he, I mean, he drops like, oh yeah, I work across the street at Pendant Publishing. And I'm like, oh my uh, God. And that's who he is. <laughs> and he's redoing his office in a Southwest motif, and the CSI would look great in there, he says. And so he's like, if you, you know, I'll give you 500 bucks for it. And Kramer's like, giddy up. And he's like, can you help me carry it? I work next door at Pendant Publishing. And Kramer says, Pendant Publishing, giddy up again. <laughs> uh, so over at Pendant Publishing, Elaine is running into Lippman's office very late for something, obviously, and she's kind of out of breath. But she sees Kramer smoking a cigar with his feet up on Lippman's desk. And, you know, um, Kramer mentions, you know, the uh, Lipman comes back in. He's like, "Oh, Elaine, uh, you know, this is uh, I bought the cigar store, the CSI." And uh, and Kramer's like, "I like that um, coffee table out there." And it, and Lipman tells him it's a custom job, also, you know, uh, in the Southwest motif. And Kramer says, "Mind if I use your coffee table for my book?" And he's like, "Oh, what what's your book about?" And Kramer explains <laughs> the coffee table book about coffee tables. And Elaine, you know, is about to like kind of apologize. Like, I'm sorry. Obviously, it's a stupid idea, but. Uh, but Lipman says it's a fantastic idea yeah, and in he, a very patronizing way says, this is the kind of idea you should be coming up oh with. Oh my Elaine. God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. He, what are we paying you for? I think he said something like that. Yeah. He loves the idea unabashedly too. <laughs> yeah. Back at Renovation Antiques or whatever it was called. The Revel- antique store. Revelations. Revel- Revelations Antiques. Uh, <laughs> Estelle has brought in the table and Sylvia recognizes it as George Costanza's table. Oh, this is George Costanza's table. And uh, Estelle goes, no, it's mine. I'm his mother. And she's like, well, I haven't seen George around in a while. He must be very busy. <laughs> must be working very hard. Uh, and Estelle goes, George doesn't work. He's a bum. He lives at home <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> just completely sells him out to, to Sylvia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Not, not you know doesn't um toe the same line that jerry did when he said we're, we're art collectors or whatever you know jerry <laughs> jerry was ready to go along with that angle but uh, estelle is not you know not in the same same uh vein uh over on the subway i guess that jerry drops that they why didn't we think this before he called tv guide and got a replacement because again they print a billion of them every week so i guess they were able to send one out and why they didn't get it shipped directly to frank costanza's house i certainly wish they had who knows but they didn't Elaine has been assigned to work on Kramer's coffee table book about coffee tables. <laughs> they uh, they stop at Queensboro Station, and Jerry is making a run for the gyro. But I, I didn't count. I should go back and look to see how many people he you know was up against because obviously it, he must have been third in line because his arm gets stuck in the door, much like Kramer's did. Uh, some guy walks by and grabs the gyro from Jerry's hand, just like it had happened to Kramer, and. Um, sits down in front of Elaine and says, guess your boyfriend's going to have to take the next train. And Elaine looks at the guy. Obviously, we have figured out at this point that it's Al Roker. Uh-huh. And Elaine goes, oh, he's not my boyfriend. And, and Al Roker goes, he's not? Interesting. And Elaine kind of does a double take <laughs> to the TV guide and looks down. And it's and then Al Roker, he's doing, know, the exact she looks back same up, doing the exact same face. Yeah. yeah, he's like giving the finger guns and has like a big <laughs> dopey smile. Was it not weird? Like I grew up with Al Roker looking like that. And I'm already used to this Al Roker so much that it was. I mean, I'm already used to current day Al Roker so much that it was jarring. Yes. To see chubby see, Al Roker. See, again. Seeing old school chubby Al Roker is wow. so weird now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, even man. though it is like, what, 30 years, whatever it is, he looks better 
Yeah, I don't now, know. When, somehow. When, oh, my God, yeah. Oh, 100%. When did he... Like, compared to 93. I, I think he got gastric bypass, right? When did... Yes, you know, like, when... He totally did. When yeah, he back when it was, like, brand new. He was, like, one of the first celebs to do that, I think. I, I want to say it was, like, the early 2000s. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but, like, somewhere in, like, the 2004... Or 2002 to 2005 area... Yeah, um, but You're, 2002 and 2002, Al Roker decided to undergo oh, gastric okay. bypass surgery. Hey, all right. Yep. So, wow, it's coming up on almost uh, almost 20 years since he had that done, and he lost more than 100 pounds. Jeez, that's insane. Yeah, he looks he, he looks incredible now, uh, and yeah. I, I agree. I think he looks much better now than he did even like whenever this was filmed. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah, I wonder how old he was in '93. Let's see, Al Roker birthday. We're doing a lot of Roker homework uh, in <laughs> advance here. Um, well, welcome, welcome to uh, No Roker, No Learning. Uh, he was born in 1954. Okay, so so he was 39. Whenever no, 1954. Uh, thir- yeah, he was 39. Whenever this aired. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, he, and God, that would make him almost. Yeah, he's 65 now. He's 65? Okay, yeah, I think he looks better 65 than he did when he was 39. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. He's almost double the age that he was. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was obviously, you know, unhealthy. I think he had just had, like, knee surgery, too, because of, you know, his his Because of his weight, yeah. Yeah. So we get one more stand-up bit. That's uh, that's a pretty nice little button to that episode. And we get a stand-up bit. And oh, by the way, like how uh, isn't it nice that it wasn't Matt Lauer? They didn't. I don't know what. I don't know who was on the Today oh, Show at this point, but it very well could have been. Like, and then we'd be in a Michael Jackson and the Simpsons <sighs> situation where this would probably be taken out of circulation. <laughs> he never would have seen this episode. <laughs> but um, we get we get one more stand up bit, and it's about how the new TV guide comes, and you're so excited because there's like fresh TV, and then by the end of the week, you you know the TV guide is all ratty, and you realize that everything on TV sucks um, until the next new TV guide comes, and you're like, oh. You know the world is full of possibilities again, and then he says that the TV guide is always thrown. It's never handed to anybody. It's the most thrown piece of literature uh, in the history. And then he's like, they also have a an ad in the back where for ninety five cents a minute you can call and get the answers to the TV guide crossword puzzle. I feel like Jerry could have. Re- I know that oftentimes when, especially around this segment, we're like, why couldn't it be funnier? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like this, like you know, you should have written you should have written this funnier. Like. <laughs> But try yeah, it funny. Do yeah, it. Do a funny you, version. You know. Now. You know what would have made this uh, this stand up bit really good if there were <laughs> jokes. If it was funny, uh, why didn't you write a funnier one? I'm curious. Uh, but so he's like, if you're if you need help doing the TV guide crossword puzzle, where are you coming across ninety five cents or something like that? I, I don't know what the implication is, but I, beats me. But I mean, like talking about like nine hundred lines in the back of TV guide to do the crossword puzzle. I mean, is there any part of this that is aged? well at all i don't think so no no i don't think so calling a 900 number uh doing a crossword in the tv guide and tv guides themselves yeah and just looking at tv yeah nothing plays nothing plays in 2019 from this no (laughs) yeah so i mean now that the episode is closed out i mean how do we feel about about jerry seinfeld and his cultural sensitivity (sighs) i I think um i know we brought this up last week I, i think it um it definitely doesn't play as well as the episode where the reporter thought that he and George were gay, um, but it's right. um, it's not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. But still, like the the scenes of like Kramer doing like the uh, the the uh, 
uh, Native American battle cry out of the cab. The the yeah. scene of Jerry like moving the the Indian statue and going, "Hey, uh, ho, uh, hey, uh, oh yeah," ho, and, uh, and the thank the- you note. I mean, he did write all that. I mean, like he did do all of that yes. before. And the only reason he wants anyone to think he's not culturally insensitive, uh, or wants people to think he is culturally sensitive, is because he wants to bang someone who thinks he's culturally insensitive exactly you know, so he did come up with all of that thinking it was funny which is problematic yeah and and, <laughs> and i was gonna say for, for those exact reasons i i think it's it's a, a decently i wouldn't say a very problematic episode i think it's decently problematic yeah maybe he learned something i mean we know it's no hugging no learning <laughs> we know that that was their issue so maybe he didn't learn anything he probably didn't no no I, i'm I sure he didn't i I'm don't sure think he, didn't. he did there's no indication that he did yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so that's pretty much it for the episode I, I know that you mentioned we had a, a couple other things to do um yeah i mean for homework uh i, I know uh we want to both look up and see like what the most expensive tv guide uh ever yes. sold like at TV auction, guide was. auction yeah uh, i want to go back and look in elaine's poker game and see if that is jamie presley <laughs> or even if it even like remotely resembles jamie presley <laughs> and then we both got to look up and see like what kasha is and see, what like, is kasha what, what it what it smells like um yeah. uh, other than that uh, did you want to come up with a better description let's see uh, so we had Elaine's Native American friend Winona thinks Jerry is racially insensitive when he presents Elaine with a cigar store Indian statue as a peace offering after not driving her home from George's place. It's a long one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, give it to me one more time. Elaine's Native... <laughs> I hate you. Uh <laughs> Elaine's Native American friend Winona thinks Jerry is racially insensitive when he presents Elaine with a cigar store Indian statue as a peace offering after not driving her home from George's place. Oh, I think there, there's, a, there's a lot of it that is unnecessary. Yeah, uh, Elaine's friend thinks Jerry is racially... We can take out that you know that punchline right now. I mean, we can take that reveal out because that just ruins the whole thing. Elaine thinks Jerry is racially insensitive when he, when he presents Elaine with a gift. How about that? Elaine's friend thinks Jerry is racially insensitive when he presents Elaine with a gift. Yeah, how about that? There we go. Boom. Yeah, it it doesn't have anything to do with like, because he didn't drive her home from George's. That's such an inconsequential bit of the episode. Oh my God, that has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think we can just take out a lot of descriptors in that and and make a better one. So, boom, done. Uh, Other than that, uh, we don't have like a full Newman's mail sack, but I I guess we will... Uh, halfway unzip Newman's mail sack, so we'll, we'll give it like a, <laughs> or, or like a, or like a, uh, but uh, shout out to Evan Sotolo for reaching out to us on Twitter at No Hugging, who found a real life puffy shirt um, in what looks to be a Target, um, yes, a, a, the Target women's section, I believe. Um, that but is correct. It looks so much like the puffy shirt. Uh, if you need one, go to Target right now because there's one there. Right. I mean, that's, I, yeah. I, I, I'm retweeting it right now. So if you're hearing this, uh, go back on our Twitter feed at No Hugging about a week uh, and you'll you'll definitely see the photo. But also shout out to Daniel Matheson who heard our Newman's Mail Sack bit last week. And Daniel Matheson is another listener <laughs> from Stockholm, Sweden. It's time for a convention. You two guys get together in a room you know, and just talk about You know, Tim, we're going yeah. to have to book the live tour. We're going to have to book the, the <laughs> No Hugging, No Learning road show with one stop, and it's going to be in Stockholm, Sweden. We're going to do like a bar in Stockholm for two listeners, and it will be, yeah. it will be Daniel Matheson and 
Oh my god, his name's escaping me now. Oh no, I'm alienating half of our Swedish audience. <laughs> Is it Joel something? No. Uh, okay. God damn it! I it's I, I'm I'm looking in our email. I'm looking. Well, it, get. I'll just say I'll just I'll just spill the beans right now. Get ready for episode 100 live from Stockholm, Sweden. That's what <laughs> that's what we'll do. We'll plan for it right now. Oh God. Oh, I'm going to hate myself looking, well, as soon as I look it up. While you're looking for that, let me read what Daniel said. Um, he said, so I asked, you know, uh, how do you feel about Jerry's bit about Swedish culture, how, Jerry's reading of Swedish culture, specifically meat hands. And Daniel said, while I take John great pride Mara. in my meat hands. John Mara. John Mara, not Joel Mara. <laughs> anyway, Daniel said, while I take great pride in my meat hands, so there's that. But Jerry's stand-up as often just plays up stereotypes and broad strokes. As a Seinfeld fan, I honestly feel like the stand-up is the weakest link in each episode. And that's sure what we're finding in season five, especially. Yes, yes. I mean, there have been some fine bits, but season five has not been a, a good well of, of stand-up bits. I don't bits, think but. so. But hey, uh, I, I know uh, I know John pointed this out. John and Daniel, if you're both listening to this episode in Sweden, uh, still yeah. baffles my mind. Please uh, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And so when I do send out these No Hucking, No Learning stickers, I will also send you guys uh, Baby Ruths because John oh. said John said that they are not available in Sweden. Oh, too bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Some international candy. Yes. Um, uh, are we going to read this one from Brent Liberty, too? Uh, yeah. Did you want to read it? Uh, yeah, I got it up. Uh, so he wrote to us, Brent at Brent and Liberty, I believe from the Idiotville podcast, right? Yes, yes, yes. So he said, uh, I used to sell urinal cakes to businesses, among other products, and they're usually under contract. The goal is to get renewals and add new products. Uh, I'm part of the small percentage of people that completely understands George's plight in this case. And then, Ted, you replied and said, but did you show up to work not knowing what you were doing? Or did you know what you were doing all along and just chose not to do it at first? Please help. We're trying to solve this issue. It's been three days. And he said, I definitely I definitely didn't know what I was doing at first and picked it up as I went along. Yes. So, and that going yeah. back to like George working at Sanilac in uh, in the previous episode. Uh, yeah, for not, at least a little bit. Not knowing what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, is that it for Newman's Mail Sack? Uh, that is it for Newman's Mail Sack. We will zip it, well, halfway zip it back up. So, next. Uh, uh, escaped. <laughs> uh, next week, we've got season five, episode 11, The Conversion. Original air date, December 10th, 1993. And if you're looking in the guide that mm-hmm. night, you're going to see... In the name of love, George goes through the process of converting to the Latvian Orthodox religion. Okay, so religious sensitivity on the table for next episode. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Man. We're hitting all of the social justice issues (laughs) in season five. Oh, man. I I can't imagine how many times I've uh, been referred to as a snowflake under someone's breath while they've listened to this episode. (laughs) Yeah, and you have been called SJW in the uh, in, uh-huh. in the email. Oh yeah, email, oh so. yeah. I, I've heard it. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Yep. But uh, you yep. know, it, it never ceases to uh, uh, take me aback every time I read it. <laughs> and it never ceases to entertain me. So, uh, all right. So I guess that's it, right? That's it. Okay. So for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.